Hello, and welcome to the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. It's Wednesday, January 3rd, and I'm your host, Jorge de la Cruz. Joining me from across town here in Bakersfield is teacher, legend, former retired youth pastor, Chris Smith. Hello. And all the way from Billings, Montana, musician, trophy husband, Colin Dunham. How's it going? Hey. Chris is a former retired youth pastor. Former retired, yeah. <laughs> I just had to change it in. Leave it in. And listeners, I apologize for my voice. I, It is New Year's Day, and I am starting this new year with a cold, and I apologize for all of you. I will try not to speak as much as I can so, so I wouldn't offend anyone, so you don't have to listen to my voice. But anyways, hey, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you so much for downloading and listening. Thank you for following us on listening and subscribing. If you haven't already, please make sure you follow us on Instagram at W-A-W-E-D-H-P pod and follow us on spotify wherever or wherever you get your podcast uh and please leave us a five-star review but anyways guys happy new year happy new year do you say happy new New year's or happy new year that's the question new year i don't know new year because it's only one year right yeah it bothers me man my neighbor the night said happy new year's and i said happy new year but do you say happy new? Like I get saying new, I get saying New Year's Day because it, the it's yeah, which is why you say but, New Year's Eve. But then you don't um, say Christmas is Eve. Yeah, <laughs> you say Merry Christmas Eve, Eve. That's true. Christmas Eve, Eve. Yes, like uh, Christmas is like they did on Friends. Yeah, I know that's the, that's the twenty third. <laughs> um, that New, well, new, like, new Year's yeah, New Year's guys, Day. Did you guys do like, saying New Year's Happy New Year's? bothers me so much it really does <laughs> do you ever like listen to like other like like other holidays like like the you know like uh friends made christmas eve eve but then also if you watch the rest of development the cinco de cuatro where they celebrate on the fourth <laughs> yes uh all right so how it <laughs> so did you guys like did you guys have a or have or go to any New Year's parties? No, we we made it. We did a thing where. Um, did you stay up till? Yeah, and I was in bed at twelve oh one. Um, but we did a thing nice. where we we prayed and we talked about like our we reviewed this last year and then we we prayed about what what we want this next year to look like. Uh, and one thing that is like become like an internet trend in the last few years or just a trend. It's not even internet thing where it's like every single year people talk about how terrible, like they'll say goodbye 2023. Like, like they talk about how terrible that year was. And I, I mean, 2020, 2021, I get it. But like the last two years have been like great years for Sarah and I, like this was like our best year. So I think it's important to reflect back and be like, Oh no, it was like, these are some of the good things that happen and be grateful for that. You know, gratitude's super, super important, you know? And then we watched the ball drop and we went to bed, <laughs> you know, pretty much it. Did the other balls drop? We were in bed, by. <laughs> we were in bed by like 10 PM. Nice. <laughs> we're not like, I used to be like, so I used to get like, so I don't, and I, I couldn't really tell you why, but I, I would just get so depressed on new year's Eve. I don't know if it was just because like, like I would just try to get so, you know, deep and philosophical, like 
Time is just a construct. Why are we celebrating another year? It's just another day. What a square. Um, but I th- was that was that when you were single? Yes. That, that was me too, buddy. Um, that was me too. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, literally, because I think as soon as I met Katie and we started dating, like, I just like, it, it was as soon as I had someone to kiss on <laughs> New Year's Eve. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just like would always get super depressed on New Year's Eve. Maybe it's just because like, um, and now I, I, and now I feel this even more now that I have a kid, but like, um, like time, time passing and time going by, like has always been like a big fear of mine. So I don't know. Maybe it had to do with that too. That's a real thing. Yeah. I thought that like uh with like my parents like um knowing that like they won't be won't be around forever so when t- as time goes by I think about that like I'm more aware of that you know especially since my dad has cancer has had cancer three times you know um mm. but I've I've always loved new years I don't know the the pageantry maybe or like kind of hopeful expectations of what's to come um I I enjoy new years but I understand too, like time passing. That's that's that can be tough, you know. I think I think I think about that more with birthdays. Well, like, um, by the time this episode comes out, my son will be, um, like just he'll be one in a couple of days. That's crazy. So, like, wait, when's his birthday? The third. His birthday's on January. His birthday's on January seventh. Um, but like. Um, it's just like, so insane to me that like, it feels, it literally feels like I, you know, yesterday that we were, you know, getting ready. Okay. Like, um, and it all happened so fast too. Like, um, even all the, like the labor signs for Katie, like, um, Katie's my wife. Um, it just all happened so quickly. And then just in the blink of an eye, he was here. And now it, in the blink of an eye, he's about to turn one years old. And like, I just can't believe it. Like, wait, uh, wait until he sad. starts constricting <laughs> complex sentences. That's when it gets like, what? Hey man, that's... like ba 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 and dead, dead, dead. That's pretty Sounds complex. Like a cool song. You know, and he his complex sentences right now are just doing the three hand motions that he knows how to do. He just does them all sequentially. Speak it. He'll, speak. Uh, he'll sign for. He'll sign for. He'll sign for milk, mm. and then he'll clap, and then he'll wave. The w- <laughs> speaking of like New all Year's, do, do in, you all. guys do? Are you guys the type of people to do resolutions? I've never been a resolution person. I just I've I've always been kind of self aware that like I just. I'm not good at following through with, with, with stuff like that because like, you know, you feel like you, you feel like a resolution has to be like this big grandiose, um, grandiose goal that is just impossible to meet. And then, you know, you get one week into the year and you've already failed. (laughs) Um, plus like, I don't know, you know, what, like, what do I like, 
what like what do I have as a resolution other than like I'm gonna lose weight this year or you know just like personal goals I'm gonna drink more water like that's I just I don't feel like that's a resolution I thought you were gonna say I'm gonna drink more alcohol <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna drink more this year <laughs> great goal this is the year I do it <laughs> finally Jorge Jorge's gonna I'm gonna break Jorge's record from last year what record was that what do you, what did I, I do I just assumed that he had you drank a lot last year, I just assumed. No. <laughs> Guys, I need you I just need you to understand Anyways, that I wish I would drink more, but I don't. Because I wish I was an alcoholic, but I'm not. No, that's not what I said. <laughs> I like to have a drink and I like to get drunk, you know, and do you know, but as a parent and as a husband and I have things to do, like I can't just like throw that away and not do it like trust me like i want to like new year's eve last night i wanted to drink and all that i'm watching my brother's dog he's he's in mexico i'm sick i will i wanted to get drunk last night at home but no i didn't these are all the things that an alcoholic would say jorge right but did i <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess an alcoholic would uh, um, just do those things anyway. If I had a problem, I'd be drinking during the day, like nonstop. I don't even drink when I go to lunch with, and some of my coworkers get alcohol. I don't. I don't like to drink during the day. I like to just drink it quietly at home when no one's around. The, the more you deny it, the more you sound like it. As he takes <laughs> a swig. Well, maybe I am. As he takes a swig, yeah. <laughs> this is, no, this is grandma's old cough medicine. It's different. So I, so to answer your question, I, okay. I, I will occasionally Whiskey. get a, get a, um, a uh, kick for to do one, but it's never something that is just random. It always is like uh, something I've been thinking about, and then I, I don't like write it down or make it a big deal, like. Um, a few years ago, I'm already, I already read a lot. And a few years ago, I just, I didn't have like any, like, I didn't, I didn't do the smart goal kind of thing or make, made it measurable. I just said, I want to be on my phone or on screens less and read more. And that was a couple of years ago. And I've really followed through on that um, to the detriment of my friends who try to reach me via phones. Um, sorry, but I, uh, but Sarah and I, we, I, this year, I, I, we, I'm one of them. Sorry. Sarah and I, we we that hasn't just been the cup the last yeah, couple of years. <laughs> it was funny because I took social media off my phone and it, it didn't really even make much of a difference because I it was just I wasn't really using it much anyways. Like there were many days where I wouldn't even exceed like twenty minutes um, total, and so I um, but I but I we Sarah and I we just made goals for this year like they weren't like they weren't like in the form of like resolutions and they weren't just for one year. It was like, well, what are some areas we need to grow in or some things we want to improve in? You know, that's, that's, but we don't do like the standard resolution kind of thing. Yeah. Like I'm sure I'll have goals. Like, you know, I think I want to try and come up with some goals, um, attainable goals. Um, but yeah, like it's it, they're definitely more like short term, short term goals, like kind of just like getting getting things back on track in you know my life and um 
I and that was kind of like an end of year goal for me too. Was like I want to read more, and I did. I mean, more for me was you know more than zero was it more than zero books a year. So, um, and I I I think I read like three in the last couple. But was it one of, the of them? Like, was it so, one of them? Uh, a Tolkien book that was really long. Uh yeah, well I read I read um I read Haunting of Hill House. Um I read The Silmarillion and then I read another like Lord of the Rings lore yeah, book. Those, those wasn't are, wasn't some yeah. of it um, wasn't some of it some like Japanese erotica? <laughs> no. Um uh <clears throat> And then I like I read a few graphic novels, but um, I don't know if those are ca- I don't know if those are counted as books. But <laughs> have you read Have you read the Jurassic Park novel? Uh, have we talked no, about this I already. Um, I think you've mentioned it. I think I don't know if it was on the podcast, but you mentioned it. It's ten out of ten. It's it's the best fiction novel I've ever read. It's the only book I've ever read twice. Actually, it's one of two books, but I I've, I read it twice, and I it was a book where like you read it and you just lose track of time. You're just like I. I can't put it down. It's so good. And it, like, it is better than the movie. And I think the movie is like perfect. It is so good. I know it has a lot more like, like horror yeah. aspects. Um, than, than yeah, the movie it's does. really good. I can't recommend it enough, which I like to think about, um, people that read horror novels and like, their reactions that they have like they're just reading and then all of a sudden (gasps) (laughs) that silence was them going back to read (laughs) (laughs) all right that's something that i've always thought about um all right guys well cool like we knew just uh to end us on the our new year's talk yeah we went we we had a new year's party or we went to a new year's new year's party quote unquote but um it was just like a five o'clock to eight o'clock <laughs> type thing because most of the people there were parents of young children so we're like all right see did ya. they do did wait did they do <laughs> did that they... fake youtube countdown thing for the kids no, no we didn't we didn't do anything i i've heard the parents that's what they do they'll, they'll do like the drop ball drop in like in uh, New York, you know, for us California people, which is like at nine o'clock, they're like, "Oh, guys, it's tomorrow." Yeah, we didn't. We didn't. No, okay. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't actually really do anything that had to do with New Year's. We drank like sparkling cider and Moscow mules, but that's it. Um. <clears throat> but yeah. All right. Well, cool. I'm excited for um the next year, and you know um this year of uh doing this podcast and where that'll take us so yeah awesome guys and if you want to sponsor right, the, so, if you want to sponsor the podcast please feel free to reach out to us reach out to only me directly and then uh, I'll drop you guys in and I'll give I'll trust me I'll pay the guys trust me I'll pay no I'm just kidding <laughs> you'll cut us I'll, in. I'll cut you in um no, all, right. all right. So just like we normally on. do every week, we usually do some would you rather's. We're gonna do one one would you rather with you, and then is would you rather walk up four flights of stairs to the kitchen or three flights of stairs to the bathroom? 
So speaking of 2023, um, I had, uh, uh, well, you know what? Never mind. Just edit that whole part of the podcast. I'm not going to talk about my issues with diarrhea this year. <clears throat> All I'm going to say is this. Uh, I would definitely, you're not going to edit that out. Um, I would definitely take the four flights of stairs to the kitchen. Uh, and the reason why is because uh, there's like the, the most stressful thing to me is when you really have to go to the bathroom and it takes forever to get there or you can't at the moment. Like if you're stuck in traffic and you have to go pee and you can't get to an off ramp, that is just there is nothing more stressful to me than that situation. So I would definitely take the four flights of stairs to the kitchen. See, I see, I feel like if you, if you, um, if you took the four flights of stairs to the kitchen, number one, you would like lose so much weight because you're going to the kitchen less, but also you're going up, uh, four flights of stairs. Um, number two, but on the other hand, I feel like you would might develop an eating disorder because <laughs> I, I feel like I would just like. Like I, I, I would want to go up to the kitchen, like as as little times as possible. So you just go to the kitchen and you grab so much food, so that you just don't have to go up there ever again for the rest of the day. Like you do your one kitchen trip a day, so then you just like develop a binge eating disorder. <laughs> um. So I don't know. It might be like a. I might cancel each other out. Um, so this is an interesting question yeah. for me because, um, look, I in Nashville, what they're doing, um, what they're actually knocking down homes, and they're actually building two homes there instead of one, and they're building up. So I actually have a friend that some of our best friends they live there. They just got this beautiful new condo, and you walk in to a flight of stairs. There's one bedroom there and a bathroom. But it's not really considered a bedroom because there's no closet uh, and the garage. And then you go up to the second floor where you have the family room, dining room, kitchen area with a half a bathroom. And then you go to the third floor. And that's where you have the three bedrooms and two baths. And I'm going to tell you this right now. It sucks. It really sucks when you get home every day and you got to the house and you had to go three flights just to go to to go to your room and relax and unwind. Then go down to the kitchen, then back up. It is annoying AF. And I'm a fat dude, so I get tired very easily. So with that being said. So you actually have experience with. I do. The- and, and look, and I like these condos. They look amazing. It's like, damn, I would live here. This is cool. Typical millennial home. This is what I can afford. It's within my budget. It was great. And I remember like even calling to be like, hey, do you guys have any like. This is before we moved to Bakersfield. Like, do you guys have any? When are you guys gonna have availability again for for new homes over here? And then after staying there, I was like, nah, not doing it. It's not worth it. Way too many stairs to go up and down. Imagine having to do that with a kid, because you have to go to the kitchen or you have to do like. It is so much. It is. It's cool for like young people, but for families or if you have pets, it is a lot, a lot of work. So with that being said, I'm gonna be horrible. Yeah, like. It's it's the worst. Like, it, like I, I, w- I wouldn't call them flights, but like our house is as a, a split level house, so like we have stairs, but they're you know kind of all connected um, to the rest of the house. 
Um, so like some, sometimes like, you know, I don't want to carry him everywhere. So if I'm just going upstairs, like super quick, like I'll run upstairs and I'll still be as quick as possible. But like, I'm still like, Oh my gosh. Like I know in, you know, the amount of time that I'm going up these stairs really quick to, you know, grab something to drink or something like he's getting into mischief. So like, yeah, man, four flights of stairs just to, you know, go get him a snack or something. And I would have to carry him all the way up there, man. So with that being said, uh, yes, I'm going to have a snack drawer up in that bedroom and, and I'm just going to go to the bathroom there on that same floor. And then I'm, I'm going to even, you know what? I'm even going to figure out how I can get a water fountain installed up there. So I'm going to have to go down to the fridge for water. We're going to figure it out, guys. You guys were seen when or, like, the, the uh, like um, condos or apartments or like narrow buildings like you're describing where they have like the garbage chute or the uh, like the laundry chute. Yeah, they'll be built into the wall and you can like lower it down kind of like, I don't know if you guys see the new Grinch, but the dog Max has something kind of like that. We have one of those. Oh, you have one of those? We have a laundry Yeah, heck chute. yeah. I would get something yeah. like that. It's too small to. It's too small. It's too small for. No, I mean for like food. But, yeah, we. <laughs> oh. yeah, I call this thinking about bringing a person down. You're, oh my god! Oh. <laughs> I thought I thought you were talking about like sliding down it or something. No, that's an elevator, bro. <laughs> or like like shimming your way up. <laughs> that's an elevator. You're, you're just like never mind. <laughs> Santa can do it. I can do it. Uh, that's funny. No, I would I would love to have like a uh, like a dumb waiter for that reason. Um, it's kind of insulting, but that's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, All right, guys. Current events. What is going on around the world? What is something that stood out to you guys in the news recently? So my story is a little bit close to home. Um. And what I mean by that is in the literal sense, as in this story takes place in Yellowstone National Park. Um, for those that don't know, I live in Billings, Montana, who which is about two and a half hours from Yellowstone. Um, and actor Pierce Brosnan, if you don't know who Pierce Brosnan is, he is... Um, famed for his role as James Bond and so many other uh, critically acclaimed roles. Um, He is 70 years old as of right now. And he's a very beautiful, beautiful man. Yes, but he is facing charges after allegedly walking in Yellowstone's thermal areas which is a big no-no. There are signs posted all around the park for you to stay on the trail in all on all the marked areas of, you know, where, okay, obviously this is where I'm supposed to walk. Um, Did did you say where you're supposed to walk or walk W O K? Cause I heard sound like a W O K. Like you can't have Chinese food there. Yes, definitely walk as in W A L K. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so he allegedly um, 
or he could be facing jail time after allegedly walking in Yellowstone's hydrothermal areas in violation of a f- federal law. So, yeah, it is it is super super against the law to essentially walk off walk where you're not supposed to walk. Um great. Now I'm only thinking of freaking the Chinese Chinese food. Um <laughs> Don't walk where you're not supposed to walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's so stupid. Um, <laughs> we walk so you can walk. Oh, man. Um, okay, so yeah, he's facing citations of foot travel in the thermal areas and violating closures and u- closures and use limits. Um so yeah, the you know, and you might be asking, what's the big deal? Like he just stepped off the trail like sometimes a normal person might do, like they just get curious, like um you know, well, the big deal is that the hot springs have injured or killed more people in Yellowstone than any other natural feature. More than 20 people have died. Um, after entering or accidentally falling into Yellowstone's hot springs. Um, and if you've never been to Yellowstone, the hot when we say hot springs, they're very, very hot, as in they you can see them boiling. Um, so you, I can't go in there? No, yeah. It's definitely not like the idyllic um, hot spring that you see on social media of people, you know, hanging out and chilling in. Um these uh, thermal pools, they reach deadly temperatures of over 150 degrees. So, yeah, you basically would be cooking yourself. Um, yeah, so, so many, uh, I mean, tons of people violate this law, but all the time. But, you know, Pierce Brosnan being a, uh, you know, a major actor and, um, been in all the films that he's been in. it's just like kind of a and like the age he is like it's not like he's some stupid teenager that you know oh let's you know <laughs> see what I can get away with like come on dude you're 70 years old there's signs posted all over the place like you know is it is this just like is this just a result of like actor privilege? Like, oh, like I'm Pierce Brosnan, I can do whatever I want, kind of thing. You'll probably get a small fine. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not the like. It says that <clears throat> violators in recent years have only faced like a ten day jail sentence, so and hundreds of dollars in fines. So is it and a lengthy and he'll probably be be banned from Yellowstone. So. It's not too big, too, too, like, it's not like, you know, he's going to go to federal prison, but still it's kind of like, I just thought it was really funny. So it's just so, like, what, like, what are you so doing? So are man? the, uh, I'm curious if there's actually like a necessary, like protection element there to like, like if human contact can like hurt the hot springs, which I find unlikely because sometimes it's like, do people need to be penalized for that or should they just learn the hard way? Well, I know in some national parks it is like like Glacier National Park also in Montana like um you're not supposed to go off trail because of like the human 
um like your like the human footprint and all that kind of thing like erosion um all that all that sort of thing so i'm sure it's um maybe not exactly the same like in terms of like erosion and stuff but like i mean you can get seriously seriously injured so it's like why would you even chance it to begin with um so yeah i just thought that was really funny yeah because there's a small part of me that's like well there's it's like if it's if there are signs posted and it, it's a small punishment, people might, might be more tempted to actually go through with it just to see what happens, as opposed to just hearing a couple of horror stories about how people like died from scathing hot water. Does that make sense? It's like a weird human nature yeah. thing. I mean, it's you, like, you, you, you gonna, people will it's do things of... out of spite like that, you know. <laughs> I yeah, I mean. I personally wouldn't even want to spend 10 days in jail, but you know, I guess, you know, if you, if you find, if you feel like it's worth it to, you know, burn yourself alive just to say you did it. He didn't get hurt or anything, obviously, I guess. Right. Yeah. It doesn't say that he got hurt. So I'm assuming that he just, because there it's there is there are areas where it's not you know you're not walking on you know boiling boiling hot water does the article should sh- tell um, you how he got caught um i don't think so all right uh what about what about you chris you got any fun news so, interesting article yeah so i was i was going through uh like i was trying to figure out something for like my new story, I couldn't think of anything right away. So I just was browsing a couple sites and went on Christianity today and they have, um, uh, by the way, Russell Moore, who I think, I don't know if he's the editor or the president of Christianity today. Fascinating, like read or listen. If he's ever in a podcast or he's ever written something, I highly recommend that you read it. He's really interesting, very smart, but I, uh, uh, I was going through just the recent articles they had, um, they had uh, an article that was the evangelical leaders or the Christian leaders that we lost in 2023. And one of them was Tim Keller. So I was going to go through the list, but I was like, no, like I was just thinking about Tim Keller because I, uh, so much of um, like when we talk about Christianity and culture right now, a lot of it is like controversies or people getting in trouble. And um, there's rarely like, positive things upset about prominent Christian leaders. And Tim Keller was a guy where there was so much um, good things uh, said about him. And he, he passed away this year after a battle with cancer. Um, he wrote several uh, great books. I would listen to his podcast regularly. He was one of my favorite um, pastors and teachers, um, it, you know, uh, that were prominent in, especially when I was in college. So he, he wrote um, the book, The Reason for God. And when it came out, I think it came out in 2008, maybe. Um, but I remember when I was in college, it was very popular among Christians in my, particularly those who were in my college group with me. And when it came out, you know, the, the idea of the reason for God um, was about um, answering the skepticism that has really um, become more prominent in the Enlightenment, starting in the Enlightenment age, where you had the scientific revolution and there started, you know, we started to think that we could answer questions uh, empirically through science. And that led to questions about the existence of God, 
and the post-enlightenment age, we still kind of reckon with that. And that was a big part of like my experience in college and those around me who are Christians, because a lot of times Christians will get to college and have their mind blown by some professor or something, and then they, they struggle with their faith after that. But Tim Keller's book really addressed a lot of those things, and I always thought it was really a really good read. And I thought he was worthy of having um, some sort of tribute for because he was a really important uh, speaker and pastor and leader for me for a while. And it got me also to thinking, you know, he he bridged a gap for a lot of young people in contemplating or reconciling science with their faith. And I was thinking about today, and I don't, that that's still a problem. It's still an underlying gap in Christianity, though. I don't think it's quite as prominent as it used to be. Um, and part of that is because I think Christianity has a lot of Christians have um, adjusted their theology to that or um, or it's not as much of a discussion, really. But what I do see is the gap for today is where you had the Tim Kellers who would, who would bridge that gap between science and faith. Today, I see there's more so political and cultural uh, divides, um, whereas before it would be about science and reason and faith and philosophy. Today, I feel like it becomes more cultural and political where either um, the politics try to co-opt Christianity or the politics co-opt our religion altogether or that place in our life and our culture. Sorry, my dog's freaking out. And uh, we lose the authenticity of that religious or spiritual experience. And it made me wonder, like, who, how do we stand in the gap? Like, what how do we fill in that gap now um, where politics have become really entrenched and the church is not innocent of that? And how do we move forward as a church? And I think it actually also goes hand in hand with some of the controversies that we've talked about that we'll get to where we have seen different church leaders fall from grace. And we never really saw that with Tim Keller, not saying he was perfect, that he undoubtedly probably had some, I mean, we're, we're all debauched and sinful and, but he, he never had the, that public downfall that many other prominent Christian leaders have had recently. And I actually, it's just something I think about um, who's going to be that Tim Keller type who speaks up as there's a gap and a lower church attendance among younger people. And I think it has more to do with <laughs> politics and culture than it does with science and reason and philosophy. So that was just something I thought was interesting. And as we wrap up 2023, that was something I was thinking about with, Tim Keller having passed away this year. Yeah, that's interesting. And yeah, like now that you bring that up, like it really, it really has shifted from like, cause I remember when I was a kid, like, like one of the only things that I cared about was, you know, um, you know, opposing, <clears throat> opposing, opposing evolution and like you know I, i'm you know I, i'm not like that anymore but um that was something that was just so like ingrained in me to care about so much was like the creation story and you know um taking that as like literal biblical truth and all that kind of thing and um you know now you like it really has just become um, you know, politics that has come to the forefront in, um, like Christian circles, whether you're, I, I mean, I think most, you know, mostly 
um, I would say 80% of it is, you know, right wing, um, right wing conservative people, but that have let it entrench their lives. But, um, you know, like <laughs> it's actually like reminding me cause I don't know if you have seen recently, but, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, uh, the pastor in, um, in Tennessee, Greg Locke. Um, so he's like this crazy, um, like right wing, um, you know, Trump is the next Jesus Christ type guy. Um, and (laughs) he was, he hosted a, uh, a debate at his church with a Christian flat earther. And it was one of the, like, it was like the shortest debate ever, but because it ended with literally, he yelled at his front of house guy to turn that dude's mic off and literally like kicked him out of his church because, uh, I don't know if you do that. Like if he did that, cause he felt like he was losing the debate or what, <laughs> he's just like, yeah. But, but it's like don't don't agree I, to I, don't agree I, to that I, at your church. I think so I, he got annoyed with him, and he's like, uh, "Just mute it." And then he, I think he walked off, and he's like, "Bro, don't even do that. Don't even host it." Well, and part, part yeah. that that he's actually like, I think therein lies part of the issue too is that we we give platforms to people who are crazy because it gets you viewed that video right, and uh, right now it, when we are devoid of virtue or like goodness, we want to be entertained. And we will look at the most debauched um, or uh, controversial things in order to be entertained. So Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, all of it is like a breeding ground for crazy people like that to have platform and to say crazy things. And we still do that in church as well. Um, And uh, it's where that should not have so much currency and value in our culture. We should be like, that's why I like when, when... like it's really easy to get on, on social media and like respond to people you don't know and fight with them who are like really well-known people. It is better to ignore them because then they don't, cause all they need is the responses. Cause that keeps them looping through people's feeds. Cause the more responses they get good or bad, the more they'll be seen. And that, that is a very toxic and dysfunctional cycle of just seeing really stupid stuff all the time. And it's really a bad representative of what people are like. Like I saw this study or this tweet one time, ironically, that was talking about how Twitter, the views of of people on Twitter are so radical, but it is such a small part of the population. Something like 3% of people regularly use Twitter. And I I should probably look it up right now, but it's going to take me a while. So it's one of those things where it's like, it is such a poor representation. If I sit down, like I had, um, I had a beer with a, a pastor at my church recently, um, just this last week. And um, you, if I talk to people who are really justice oriented and driven by rage towards the church, and they're very plugged into like um, like the ex evangelical crowd and stuff, you would think like all the church is corrupt, all of them are evil, all of them are bad. But when I sit down with Christians who I know personally, who I trust, or even pastors that I know and I trust, like, no, that's not representative of what people are like. 
I get that some people had um, uh, had abused their positions, and that was very um, that was very seen and very visible and uh, very publicized. That's not necessarily representative of of all pastors or all Christians or all people. But there's a lot of money to be made by making documentaries about it right now, right? Because it's really controversial. And um, that's one of the things as Christians, like, we really got to be careful how we navigate that. Because as for as much as we have to be, like, accountable and we have to be, um, have integrity, like, there's also, you know, in Second Corinthians, in the First Corinthians, the guy you know, sleeps with his mother-in-law and Paul outlaws them from the outlaws them from the church and then second corinthians he's saying to forgive the sinner and welcome them back after they've repented and there has to be some of that too right um and so it's one of those things where it's like it's really easy to have a really high justice meter against somebody when you don't know them and it's re- it feels really good and self-righteous to tweet about them and talk about them and do that and tear them down um but uh the hard and good work I think is to have grace and to be forgiving while also holding each other to an, to account. And I think all of it should happen in the local church, not on Twitter, not on Instagram, not in documentaries. Like that has to be decentralized, has to be localized to the actual church people. Yeah. I mean, but I also think that it's irresponsible. Like I, I definitely think that it's irresponsible to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, you know, it's, it's irresponsible to, you know, hold every single pastor on earth to, um, you know, like, oh, you know, this, this guy screwed up. That means, you know, all pastors are that way. Like, that's just not true. But at the same time, I also think it's irresponsible to, you know, not take into account like, okay, well, like if we talk about kind of like, you know, with, um, it's not, it's not exactly the same thing, but when, you know, we talk about, um, you know, police brutality and, um, you know, defunding the police and all that kind of thing, like, yes, like I'm not stupid. Like I know not every single cop in America is bad, but like when you have a, a system that, um, props up, props up the bad cops. Um, and you know, one like rotten dude, re- like it, you know, to use the analogy of like, you know, rotten food, you know, like one rotten apple can spoil the whole bunch. And that doesn't necessarily make the rest in the bunch bad people or people that would, you know, um, commit acts of violence like or you know th- illegal acts like the the rotten person did but you know you kind of end up becoming complicit in a way like um i'm not i don't i don't necessarily think that like every pastor needs to you know as when you know whenever there's a scandal that breaks or whenever something you know, terrible happens in the church community. It's not necessarily every local pastor's job to, um, you know, talk about it the next Sunday morning. But, you know, when you have a system and, you know, and, you know, we like to 
talk about the big C church, you know, we're all part of the big C church. Um, well, the big, you know, the big C church has become, you know, an institution that has been plagued by a lot of, you know, rot, especially in, you know, Western culture in America. Um, so, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you're not necessarily a bad pastor, but I do think that in a lot of ways, like, you know, the good pastors can also be, you know, complicit in kind of propping up the system, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, like, uh, oh, sorry, go, ahead. go ahead. I wasn't sure if you're going to go or not. Wait, go ahead, George. No, go, you go. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, so uh, there's a lot of which I agree with you in, in that. Um, and when you say, like, so I would say, like, if we're talking about the system, I would ask what system, because there's so much variety and diversity within church. And I think there are elements. Just the, just the institution, like the church, the institution that is the American So I would church. say which institution of the American church? Because I, I've, I've gone to different churches and had widely different experiences in America, in my, in my town, my hometown and different experiences with different pastors. And that's what I'm saying. If we, um, if we categorize and throw everyone in the same bin, I don't think that's, I, I think that does harm even to the people who are being victimized or the people who are the ones who are the bad apples. And I think it makes it harder to be the good apple. And I think that, um, uh, the one thing I will say is like a lot of our cultural and social issues we deal with right now in our current cultural moment, we think that if we, we can solve all these things politically and we've tried to delegate them to voting for the right person or having the right policy. And what we find out time and time again is that politics and government policy is oftentimes the absolute worst arena, like politics, in my opinion, is the worst arena to deal with race at time and time again, that's been proven. Like this is the absolute worst ish place to deal with racism. Not that we shouldn't have, we should have laws that make sure everyone has equal treatment. There's equal opportunity. But if we think that electing the right person is going to solve these issues, then we're gravely mistaken. And I also think that um, that's where I also think like Twitter and Instagram and Budgets with like multi-million dollar uh, documentaries with multi-million dollar budgets are the worst places for the church to deal with these things. And while those things will happen and it, it is what it is, it's fine. Like people are going to make documentaries. They're going to post on Twitter. Like you can't stop that. That's just going to be what it is. And some of those documentaries are good. Like people need that. Some of the stuff needs to be exposed and these pastors need to be held to account. Right. Otherwise they'll do it again. Um, and that bad batch will continue. Um, I would also say, uh, the best place to deal with it would be in the local church, would be amongst your community, in your family, with your people, where you are dealing with that together. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and like I like I said, like I I definitely do think it's irresponsible to, you know, lump everybody in with with everybody. Um you know, but it definitely is like a big, like nuanced issue of, 
you know, what, <clears throat> like, what do, like, what do I, as the local pastor speak out about, you know, what do, and it's like, it's, a, it's, it's like, it's definitely a minefield and, um, you kind of have to pick your battles, but at the same time, I just feel, I believe that there's just some battles that are just there and you have to fight them. Um, no matter if you're, you know, you know, uh, a pastor with a very a large following or just, you know, Joe Schmo with 10 people that attends his church. Yeah. So, so like you said something important um, there. The, the, the following thing is one of the cultural big church issues that absolutely drives me nuts. And I think this is a big part of it too. When I started seeing Instagram ads for pastors promoting their sermons, that just felt so toxic to me where it would be like a clip from a sermon and they're just trying to get you to follow them. That is where it was like, we're moving past like being a pastor who's serving the church into celebrity pastor type stuff. And that just irks me in so many directions and uh, it's it that's where like systematic it's like really pro- been an issue where we've been teaching church planters and pastors you want to grow your church you have to have a really strong online presence and they will sell their soul to be able to get that following right and I'm I'm I know it sounds like I was defending the system but I'm I'm actually part of a church that said we're going to buck the system and we're just going to become a network of house churches as opposed to doing all the normal traditional church system programmatic things that we normally do and we've we've kind of totally torn a lot of that stuff down and we're in a more simplified version of church. So I, I, I don't really have too much sympathy for the quote unquote system. And there's a lot of things that we just really got to stop because if it, the church will like crumble, if we don't, uh, if we don't um, do something about it, like the, the you know, uh, whether it's the co-opting by politics or just the really toxic celebrity pastor culture, all that stuff is just really, really bad. Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, Colin. I don't, I, I don't think you're finished. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. Um, I think this is a really good segue um, into our um, our main topic of conversation. Um, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, and we are back. Um, so Jorge had to step off the podcast. Um, he's he's definitely not feeling good. So um, Chris and I are going to take it the rest of the way. Um, we kind of already spent a little bit of time talking about what we want to talk about, and so we it'll be a little bit shorter of a um, of a main topic section, but. Um, We'll we'll make sure that it's got some you know some good nuggets of of conversation in there. So we were talking when we were planning this episode. We were like, all right, what do we you know what do we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about just you know it's the end of the the end of the year? It's the beginning of the year. Do we want to talk about twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four? Um, like do a best best and worst of the last year. You know, and then we kind of decided that we wanted to um, do more of a follow up of last week's episode um, and kind of like build off of what we talked about. So um, like we we wanted to talk about how, you know, if you 
if you go to a church and you have, you know, a pastor that um, ends up having a scandal or, you know, a kind of a fall from grace moment, if you will, how, how do you, as the, the churchgoer or, you know, how, how, or if, um, does the pastor, um, come back from something like that? You know, are they, should they be welcomed back, welcomed back, welcomed back, um, with open arms, um, and, you know, act like you kind of nothing happened and it's business as usual, or, you know, should they be back in ministry? And we kind of answered one of those questions last week. Um, but you know, we can expand on it a little bit more this week. Yeah. So I, I posed the question, uh, what, what do you do when your favorite pastor, leader, speaker, influencer, whatever falls from grace? Um, and I think that's important. I think it's actually very revealing of, I think, I think when it does happen and if you fall apart, cause I've, I've seen that happen before where, um, a, a pastor falls from grace and the church falls apart and people leave their faith or, um, a, some kind of really well-known influential, uh, pastor, whether it's something with Hillsong or Mark Driscoll, you know, people will really build themselves around, build their faith around these central figures or organizations. When things fall apart, it's like their faith falls apart. Not always, but it happens. And I was thinking about it just now. And I was like, so what do you do when, when, when your favorite leader speaker falls from grace, my answer is don't have one, don't have a favorite, right? And I think that's part of the problem. And this is something I remember being a youth pastor, people talk a lot about, like you don't want the kid's faith to be dependent on you. Um, you want their faith to be dependent on their own relationship with Jesus. How do they continue to walk when their favorite person falls? Because we're, we're all already fallen and debauched. How do you keep your faith going? And um, what happens, I think, church organizations or church movements or just local churches get so centered on one person that when that person falls, everything falls apart. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe we should decentralize from the one leader, the, the one person. And that that is, I think, really critical to church life sustenance in the future. And I think that's one of the things the church has to reform is the leadership structure of being centered around a personality and being centered around a community instead. Like the whole, you know, if you've listened to the the fall, the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast, I've listened to like a little over half of it. Um, I haven't finished it, but it's clear that people's faiths were deeply impacted by one man's mistakes. So that the, to me, this maybe the oversimplified solution is don't, don't, have it all be wrapped up in one man because that Marcel was really wrapped up in Driscoll. Right. And I mean, he was a phenomenally gifted Bible teacher, but just his character and leadership were so bad and toxic. And so I would say, well, yeah, that's what happens when people who are immature have a sudden rise to fame. Maybe we shouldn't have everything so dependent on an individual, even though it's really easy to get follows and views and have a quick church following but just because it's quick and easy doesn't make it right or good, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of like a, um, like the saying, don't meet your heroes. Yeah. Yep. Kind of thing, you know, um, you know, don't meet your heroes in the sense, like 
if you have like if you have a favorite pastor like that like that that right there is a problem because you know not not that you can't love your pastor as a as a person or you can't you know love what this certain um what this certain um pastor or faith leader has to you know what what they say or um their points of view on certain things you, you like those are that that's okay to to still have but like you know like pastors have become you know it's it's cool it's almost like you know it's almost cool to become to become a pastor now because that's where the money one. is. <laughs> it sucks <laughs> until you become one. Like it's really, it really is like kind of like what we we're talking about. Like so many um, pastors, like it's they're so focused on um, the you know the YouTube views and the social media followers because they kind of know what that leads to now, um, and you know, it leads to, um, you know, more people attending your church, meaning more people you know, will give on a Sunday morning, um, might lead to book deals and, you know, things that, you know, provide a lot of monetary success. Um, but then, you know, you get, you put so much faith in that person that when they fall, like, you fall with them in a sense like you know i i i have listened to the fallen rise and fall of mars hill um all the way through and like definitely um i don't really think it's it's not really um very nuanced in that situation where like mark driscoll is just he's just a trash human being um, who treated his staff and his um, his congregants just like dirt, and his theology's terrible, and just so many things, and he's continuing to do it now in in um, Scottsdale, Arizona. But um, that's for another time. But um, you know, you have like you have the extreme examples like a Driscoll, you know, like a, you know, like a, a Houston, like we talked about last week. Um, you know, and those are two different people who went through two completely different situations. Um, but, you know, are sort of dealing with the consequences. Houston, definitely more than Mark Driscoll, but, um, like, you know, you, you don't, you know, in my, in my opinion, and I expressed this last, last episode, I keep saying last week, I need to not do that. Um, last episode, um, I, you know, I believe that pastors, you know, are and should be held to a higher standard, um, because of who they represent and because of what they you know, um, 
represent and, you know, the people that are looking to them for guidance and, you know, it's not necessarily the congregant, you know, the normal congregants fault to look to, um, a person, um, in power and a person that has authority. Um, it's not, it's not their fault and it's not necessarily a bad thing to, you know, have your pastor be such an important person in your life. Um, and that being said, like, you know, they, you are held to a higher standard. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily put on a pedestal. Um, but you know, it's just, it's, it's a very important job. Um, when you have like, you know, whether God is real, whether all of this is, whether any of this is true, like, if you believe that, then like you're kind of, you, you are very much responsible for like a largely responsible for, you know, a lot of people's eternity in a sense, you know? Um, yeah, <laughs> that's all. No, I that's good. I just have a, a few more things to say. So uh, yeah, you're, and I agree hundred percent with everything you just said. And I think part of it is what, why is it that, we continue to allow that to happen. Like it, that's not something that's like, and it's not always people get a lot of YouTube views. It's also like you, you, you just find a pastor because you like his charismatic personality and you're really like, I heard someone describing their church in that way where they're talking about all these like really hollowed out things that they like about it. That was screaming. This is a cool place for people to gather. And it was just so deeply unappealing to me. And I think part of it is we have to depend so much on the pastor to feed us because our faith is so hollowed out and so inauthentic. And I, I remember like, you know, for those who don't know, I pastored in a church that was in the charismatic stream and you could, you could um, meet, you know, a dime a dozen, you know, so much of the congregation could regularly quote um, Chris Valentin, Bill Johnson, Danny Silk, whoever, you know, and, but, um, their scripture knowledge was like fuzzy at best. And I know that this was like a point of conflict for leadership too, where this was, this is, they didn't, they didn't want to do that. It was just the nature of like church culture at large. And it was something that we were trying to combat and that we wanted to teach people how to follow Christ for themselves instead of having this hollowed out, like follower based Christianity by follower. I mean, like following like people to like feed your like hollowed out inauthentic faith. And I think that we demand it from people and it becomes um, just the sickening cycle of like burning out pastors and like killing them because we demand just, um, just too much for them, you know? Um, and uh, they will gladly take it. You know, um, I've heard people talk about how some, some folks get into leadership because they're insecure and they need something to fill that void. And that's a terrible reason to get into leadership. It should be greatly um, de-glamorized. I don't know the right word for that. Uh, and we should talk more about how, you know, if you're a pastor, the leader who you're modeling your life after, who you're following was homeless, 
died on a cross, was persecuted. His family called him crazy. Friends betrayed him. It's not, it's not a pretty thing. Um, but you know, you get the right guy with the right, uh, style of dress and the right Instagram usage, and they can talk like a motivational speaker. There's not much that separates them from a, basically just creating a cool group as opposed to like an authentic faith experience, you know? Um, and people, I think people, um, grow weary of it after a while. I know I have. Yeah. And I know that like, um, Gen Z and like the next generation after Gen Z coming up is kind of getting more and more, um, fed up with like stunt stunt culture. Um, and that's what I think a lot of these pastors fall into is like, um, kind of like gotcha journalism, but it's, you know, like, how can I, like my whole, um, you know, even if this pastor's sermon, like, even if it was like, even if they were speaking about something that was, you know, very interesting and like, uh, you know, worth listening to, like it all gets boiled down into one TikTok clip or one Instagram reel. And that's, and you know, it's always of them, you know, screaming or yelling something to get their point across. Um, but like, I, I, like, I don't know if you, um, have heard that term, but like stunt culture, like just doing the most like outrageous things for, or saying the most outrageous things for just, Dude, I grew up in the jackass generation. That's where all this um, came from. <laughs> well, not like literal. <laughs> no, stunts, I know. I know what you're but saying, like, but it's, it's the same. Um, it's the same idea. Yeah. yeah. But, um, and like, I just, I, the, I know that Gen Z and, the next generation is getting really tired of it totally and they're they're definitely like craving more authenticity um you know and that's not just in um what we're talking about but just in almost all aspects of life like um you know gen z brought back vinyl <laughs> you know cuz we they want um you know that physical tangible way to listen to music um but yeah i just i think authenticity is um authenticity is a dime a dozen these days and um you know kind of circling back to our actual question like do i think that you know pa um disgraced pastors can come back from disgrace um yes kind of with an asterisk um you know i believe that they can be you know redeemed and um that they sh should be um you know forgiven um if they you know repent and seek forgiveness um but i you know, in, in, in most situations, I don't think that they should be, um, that they should or should be allowed to return to ministry, 
you know, I just don't think some people were, you know, meant to be in that space if you can't, like, if you can't handle it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I, yeah, I agree. And I'll, I only have one more thing to say about that. And that last part you said, um, not everyone should be in it or should go back to it. I think that's so true. I think that's one thing I learned. I, I don't regret being my time in full-time ministry or ministry at all. In fact, I'm very grateful for it. I'm glad I did it. But I eventually learned that it was limited and that it wasn't, there was, there were distinguishable things between me and someone who was like, this is their calling in life, like full time. And I, I, I always believe that the church is God's plan A and there's no plan B. And I won't get into the complexities of that, but so everyone is called to the church, but not everyone's called to that level of, of, of ministry or service. And some people are called to different things and, um, it's really important to realize that, but also identify that not everybody or to realize that not everybody is called to that because it feels like when you're in the church, that is the highest calling and that is it. And the most virtuous thing you can do is to be on staff at a church. And it's not, it's not the most, it's not, not virtuous. It's good and it's difficult and it's hard, but it, it shouldn't be like glamorized or it, we should realize, nope. Not everyone's made up for this. Not everyone should do this. Like I realized, no, I just need to go be a teacher. Um, and that's, I think that's, and that's, I think it's important, you know. Teacher, one of the easiest jobs ever. Like being a stay-at-home right? mom. That's no, uh, easier than a... Um, don't come for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a stay-at-home dad. I'm a stay-at-home dad. Don't come for me. Um, so, yeah. Um, I... I love having these talks. I feel like it in, enriches my my uh, my brain and just my overall thoughts about um, these things greatly. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. Um, Jorge is sorry that he had to miss the rest of the episode, but... Um, we're thinking about you, buddy. And we want you to feel better. Um, so, all right. Thank you for joining us for another fun show. Um, tune in next episode for more. Um, for Jorge De La Cruz, I'm Colin Dunham. I'm Chris Smith. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>